Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. Today I want to talk to you about how to become a Christian, or how to be saved. The question, what must I do to be saved, was asked by a man called the Philippian jailer. He had put Paul and Silas into the inner prison. These men had been beaten because they were faithful preachers of the word of God. Their hands and feet were in stocks. The man went to bed. At midnight there was a powerful earthquake that shook the jailhouse in Philippi, the man called for a light, came in trembling before the men of God who had previously been singing praises and offering prayers to God at midnight. And this man asked that fundamental basic question, what must I do to be saved? In other words, how do I become a Christian? And the men of God answered that according to Acts chapter 16 verse 31. This is what they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And that's what I want to share with you. Some thoughts on how to become a Christian, or how to be saved. I'm asked this question all the time, and I want to just share something that's basic and fundamental to you at this hour. Think of this. The first step to becoming a Christian is something to admit. What do you admit? You admit that you're a guilty, hell-deserving sinner. Not that you're a good person or a religious person or you belong to a, a certain church or that you're honest and upright. The Bible teaches us in the book of Acts, in Acts 18, the Lord Jesus told a parable of the two men that went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. And this was the publican in the temple. He didn't lift up his eyes toward the heavenly mercy seat. He bowed his head, he smote upon his breast, and he called out, God be merciful to me, the sinner. So if you want to be saved, if you want to be a Christian, here's the first step. There's something to admit, something to acknowledge. And what is it? That you're a guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner. Now you may say to me, but that's very strong language, Mr. McLaughlin. That hurts my pride. That upsets me. I'm enraged at that. How dare you? Could I point out to you, if you're thinking that, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, it's the Bible that teaches us, first of all, what sin is. It's God who has defined sin. The Bible teaches us that sin is the transgression of the law. And our catechism conforms to that. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Do you know that sin is the transgression of the law? taking in the Ten Commandments as we sin against those commandments in thought, in word and deed. Are you aware that the Bible teaches that all unrighteousness is sin? 1 John 5 and 17. Do you know that whatsoever is not of faith is of sin? Romans chapter 14 verse 23. Do you know that the Bible says in James 4 verse 17, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
And when you collate this information and put it together, you discover that sin is disobedience to God. It's acting in a rebellious manner to God. It's a transgression of God's holy law. That's what sin is. It's not that we have made a few mistakes and done a few bad things, or or, or it's not that uh, we are um, led in a certain direction uh, to to make a choice that's wrong. No, the Bible teaches for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the first step to becoming a Christian is to agree what God says about us, that we're born sinners, that we live our lives as sinners, and we're in danger of dying in in sin. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. So the first step to becoming a Christian is that you admit something, and you have to admit before God that you have sinned, that you've rebelled against him, and you've actually broken his law in thought and in word and deed. And when did all sin? Well, the Bible teaches we sinned in Adam, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And it's a fact that we sinned in Adam, and we inherited in Adam the guilt of his first transgression. And on that very ground alone, God could bring us into his holy presence. And the law of God would condemn us. And God could banish us to an eternal hell. But that's not the only problem. The problem is we have an additional guilt because we have broken God's law. And we have heaped mountains of that guilt. Every sin brings its own guilt. And not only have we got the guilt of a bad record, but we also have the um, problem of a polluted heart. That is, we uh, in Adam, uh, because of Adam's fall and us in him, we inherited a bias towards sin. We are born in sin, as the psalmist said, and shaped in iniquity. The scriptures teaches us in Psalm 58 verse 3, the wicked go astray as soon as they be born. We're all born sinners, every one of us, uh, from the uh, queen on the throne uh, to the pauper on the street. The the, um, so-called bishops uh, and cardinals and and priests of Roman Catholicism, uh, along with every uh, so-called Protestant minister, regardless of that denomination, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners, and we need to repent of that sin before God. We need to recognize it. We need to repudiate it. We need to cry out like this publican, God be merciful to me, the sinner. The Lord Jesus said that this man, the man who cried out, God be merciful to me, the sinner, that's the man that went home justified. The second step in how to become a Christian, this is like ABC. The, The second step is this. There's someone to accept. And what did the Apostle Paul and Silas say to the Philippian jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can I point out to you that there are certain propositions that you have to uh, believe and accept as being uh, true um, propositions that are fundamental to you becoming a Christian? Propositions that are true uh, uh, fundamentals uh, uh, according to what uh, is revealed in the scriptures about Bible-believing Christianity. Believe in the fact that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Think of John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. 
And you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is who the Bible says he is. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the eternally only begotten Son of God. And that brings in his essential deity. He is co-equal and co-eternal and co-exists with God the Father. That, that ties in then to the biblical revelation of the doctrine of the Trinity. That brings us in then to the incarnation. Uh, God was manifest in the flesh. That brings us in then to his virgin birth, his sinless life, his atoning death, his bodily resurrection, his life of intercession for us in heaven, and his glorious ascension back to the right hand of the Father, and his sure and certain return to this earth in bodily form. These are all fundamentals that you need to believe in, that you need to accept, and you need to acknowledge. And of course, faith in Jesus Christ involves acknowledging and accepting these propositions as being true and faithful propositions, uh, propositions that you uh, accept and uh, put forth as uh, a body of truth that you embrace in coming to faith in Christ. You see, I want to tell you, you can't be a Christian if you deny the doctrine of the Trinity, if you deny the essential deity of Jesus Christ, if you say he's not co-equal and co-eternal with the Father, you can't be a Christian. If you deny the virgin birth, if you deny his incarnation, his sinless life, his atoning death, you, you, you can't it be a Christian. But you know, there's more to that word believe in the Lord Jesus Christ than just acknowledging certain propositions to be true. There's an act of faith. And, and that involves, of course, you putting your weight and trust alone in Jesus Christ for salvation. It's forsaking all, I take him. The, the word believeth in John 3 and 16, like the word believe in Acts 16, 31, um, encompasses this fact. It's a matter of trusting in, adhering to, and relying on. It's a present continuous tense in John 3 and 16. And it's, I have believed, and I am believing, and I will keep on believing. You see, it's an act of faith. It's not a decision of the moment. It's a principle of the whole life. And the Bible teaches, of course, that the just shall live by faith. And I ask you not to believe in what the church teaches, not to believe in the church, for it's not the church that saves, it's Christ. Paul said to this man, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The word Lord speaks of his deity. Jesus, of course, speaks to his humanity. Christ speaks to his ministry. What did he come to do? He come to offer himself a once and for all, voluntarily sacrifice for sin. The Bible says, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. It was Peter that said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I want to ask you, while you might believe certain propositions about Christ and say they're true and you might go to church and you might read your Bible and you might even dress up on a Sunday and and look so good and, and speak well about the things of God. I want to ask you, has there been a time and a moment in your life when you knelt down as a sinner and you cried out, God be merciful to me the sinner? Have you cried out, Lord save me, I perish, even like Peter? Because this act of faith necessitates, if you believe these propositions, then you will go to Christ and cry unto him, Lord save me, I perish. I ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever put your full weight and trust in Christ alone for salvation? And of course, the, the third step follows on from that. There's not only something uh, to admit. 
There's not only someone to accept, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ alone for salvation, but there's also uh, somewhat to announce. You see, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's found in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I encourage you to read it. And if you're born again of the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God who now indwells you because you have been savingly joined to Christ through evangelical uh, faith and evangelical repentance, then you will confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will not only declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll not only declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord alone, you will also declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And that's one of my little favorite choruses singing with the young people. He's my Lord. He's my Lord. He has risen from the dead and he's my Lord. I ask you, is he your Lord? Have you confessed him before men? Have you shared with others that you've repented of your sin and received Christ as Lord and Savior? And if you have opportunity and men asked you, uh, are you a Christian? Then you can say, yes, I am. And this is how I became a Christian. And you can share a word of personal testimony. Doesn't the Bible say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And if the Lord has saved you from eternal death and damnation, if he saved you from living on the dominion and power of the devil and of sin, and if he has broken that power of cancelled sin in your life and taken out the love of sinning in your heart, and you're now living for Jesus Christ in his honour and glory, then I asked you, have you confessed Christ before men? Remember the story of the man out of the Gadarenes, the man who was um, enslaved by the devil, uh, the man who had many demons within him. And that man was found sitting beside Christ uh, with a, a new mind. Uh, he had a, a new uh, dress on. He had a new speech. He wanted to go with Christ. And what did Christ say to him? Go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for you. And if you're a new creature in Christ and you're born of the Spirit and the love of God's in your heart, then you'll want to tell others the wonderful news, what Jesus has done. So if you were to ask me today, how do I become a Christian? What must I do to be saved? Here's three simple steps. One, there's something that you must admit that you're a sinner. Have you done that? The second thing is, there's someone to accept, and that is Jesus Christ. Salvation's not in the church, it's in Christ alone. It's not being religious. I'm not asking you to be religious or good. I'm asking you, uh, have you received Christ as Lord and Saviour? What you do with Jesus Christ is the most important thing you'll ever decide on in life's journey. And the third thing is, there's somewhat to announce. You announce that you've become a Christian, that you've accepted Christ as Lord and Saviour. And that's the fruit and the outworking and the evidence of your faith in Jesus Christ. Not the ground, that confession. It's simply the outworking and the evidence that you're born of God. Because the Spirit of God within you prompts you to make that honest confession. Will you witness a good confession before men that you might have assurance in your heart that you're truly born of God? Thank you again for listening and I pray the Lord will richly bless you. If we can be of any help, please feel free to contact us. Thank you. Thank you.